Welcome to another episode of the Mid-Major Madness Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Cotler. This episode features an interview with George Washington's Jamie and Christian. What is mayhem in Coach Christian's system? What about a turkey board? How does he go about rebuilding a team? We talk about all of this and more in today's episode. So, Coach, the place I like to start with every coach who comes on the podcast is, is starting with this question, and that's when did you realize you wanted to get into coaching? Oh, man. Um, how long you got? <laughs> we, we've got as long as you've got, Coach. <laughs> no, so when, you know, I'm like the oldest in our family, had, you know, of like about six or seven different cousins. So we all kind of – my grandma would watch us during the day. Our parents would drop us off. My grandma would watch us during the day. And then, you know, we just had like this huge extended family of all of us. And so if we ever wanted to learn how to do anything, I had to teach everyone how to do it. Right. I mean, it's just so sort of naturally over the years, it's sort of been just like teaching them, you know, if we wanted to play basketball or baseball or football or, or hopscotch or jump rope or, you know, I was the person that was the oldest. So I therefore had to learn it and then had to teach everyone else how to do it if we were going to do anything competitive. So I think in some, some ways I've kind of been coaching or leading um, almost my entire life. Um, you know, my dad's also a high school coach, a really successful track and field coach. He had two state titles track and field. Um, so I grew up like watching him coach. I grew up watching my mom as a teacher for 34 years. You know, I grew up watching this every day, you know. You, you talk about your dad being a high school coach. Uh, what has he taught you about coaching that, that you've been able to apply, uh, you know, to, to what you're doing today? Oh, uh, man, uh, so much. You know, my dad's like a guy, a man of few words. But I think just watching him operate, you know, the, the first time they won a state track and field championship at Charles City High School in Virginia, they didn't even have a track. Um, they didn't have a They didn't have a high jump pit. Um, they didn't have a long jump pit, and he he just found a way to teach them how to do these things without the necessary resources. Um, just creative and intelligent in a way that you know he can he could teach without having what everyone else had. And you know the guys, I mean, you imagine learning how to high jump without without ever actually high jumping until you get to the meet, right? But he was able to teach these guys the form and the mechanics of it, you know, just through different kind of engineering. Um, you know, secondly, he was amazing at setting the standard and holding people to the standard. I remember, you know, coming over to his high school and he was at a, he was at the rival high school for me. I remember coming over there one day after school and, and walking to the gym where they were practicing at and sitting outside the door. And, you know, I was like, you know, I got to the door. I was like, why are you here? You know? And my dad comes and lets me in and the door was locked and the, the kid had been late that day. And he was like, if you're going to be late, you're not going to be here to help us practice and you're not making us get better. So I just remember that. And they were in the midst of winning all these champ. They, you know, I was like, when they were really good, they're winning state championships and, and uh, when going to these different meets and winning. And, and uh, I just remember thinking like, you know, why? And I remember asking him like, why, why would you leave him out there? And he was like, he's late. You know, he's not going to make us better. He's not on time. And, you know, so, you know, I have like, I mean, I have so many of these different examples. Um, you know, even with my mom being a special education teacher, um, you know, her like watching her celebrate when her students 
got the test score that he did. Or, you know, like, I mean, some of the best images of my mom and her happiness weren't necessarily for, like, our success. Um, it was more like she'd come home and she'd say, you know, like, you know, this student got it today, you know, and she would explain the journey that student was on and how hard they'd worked on it. And and I also remember her heartbreak when they didn't get it and they worked really hard for it, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm like really fortunate because I'm kind of grew up in this environment where it was always about uh, getting the best out of others. And, I, you know, so some of it is like I just kind of I, I just lived that life. I grew up that way. Going from, from what you've learned, you know, from your parents there, talk a bit about your playing career. Because I, I know you're on a pretty special high school team that, that went undefeated. And what was it like being a part yeah. of something like that? Oh, man, it was a journey. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, I remember, I mean, I'll give you the whole story because that's how I do it. Um, you know, I remember, you know, I was a freshman and I worked all summer to make the high school team. And my father wanted me to play JV. He just felt like that'd be more experience for me. I get a chance to play more. And I just remember being like so determined about how much I wanted to play varsity basketball as a freshman, how hard I really worked on it. And, and uh, I put all these quotes in my room that were basically saying like, you know, I was going to make it and how hard I was going to work. And, and then I make the team and the team, the first year, I think we won maybe 12 games. Um, we had a couple other, I was one of three other, two other freshmen that are on the team. And, you know, we just like learning how to play basketball, like learning how to play with really up, with upperclassmen and guys that could understand it. And I just feel like that year really helped us to kind of get a big jump on everything. Um, you know, where others were playing JV, you know, the three of us and those two guys ended up playing football at William Mary, the three of us were kind of, we were playing major minutes in a varsity game and playing against the very best. And, and then the sophomore year, one of those guys gets hurt. And they kind of move my position around. So I get a chance to play more guard spot. And um, and we put together a really strong year. Um, we lose in like a, an incredible game um, versus Washington Lee where they come back and they win. They score like nine points in the last 20, 20, minute 20 of the game. And, you know, it's just one of these heartbreaking losses where you're like, man, you know, like this is so fragile. You know, like in that moment, you're like, you're like a minute 20 away from being a team. I was like undefeated. I think they were number one in the state at the time. And, we were right there and we had lost one of our best players, like I said, early in the year. And it was like, we'd put together this magical year and we we're right there and we found a way to lose it. And I remember being in that moment when they're rushing the floor at Washington Lee and, and people are, you know, people are obviously excited for the, for the win and, and for, for their win. And I remember thinking like, man, we only get two more times to do this, you know? And it was, you know, it's like, man, you never want to feel that feeling when you walk off the floor and you feel like you didn't leave everything out there. And, uh, you know, they're a little bit better us on that day. And then we go into our junior year, and we have so much talent on the roster. Uh, the junior, our team, our junior was amazing. I mean, the, we had guys who played on that the championship team with me that didn't play at all that junior year. And we had so much talent. So many guys ended up playing college football, and, and we were worse. Like, you know, like we really struggled because our team camaraderie wasn't the same. The people's goals and their focus wasn't the same. And um, you know, it was just like it was it was very interesting to me. And, and so it's always this thing about talent that I always wrestle with. Like you need enough talent, but you don't want too much if you can't manage it. And that year we didn't manage it very well. And we got to, you know, a really important game at the end of the year. And all the things that we'd kind of, you know, hid just came to light. You know, the little bit of selfishness that we all had or the individual accolades we all are trying to getting. And and uh, although the team was very talented, we just lost. And we lost in like a very like 
like uh, we lost in a way that was, you know, I think we ended up losing by 12 or 13. We were one of the top teams in the state the whole year. We lost where we, a game where we really didn't, we really were never in the game. And it's all because behind the scenes, we weren't as connected as we needed to be. Um, we just didn't understand what it took to win at that time. We didn't understand like, you know, how connected we needed to be, how any of our individual things needed to be put to a side. And, and, you know, therefore we lost in a really important game. Um, and then we get to our senior year and we, you know, four or five of those really great, talented guys graduate and we're stuck with a core group of us who've been together since kindergarten. I mean, I went to New Kent high school. So all of us go to primary school, elementary school, middle school, you know, you all go to school together and, and it was just a core of us. And that year we put it all together. We just, you know, we had, we had a couple guys going to play college football. So it was great because like, we didn't have any individual basketball stuff with them. Right. Like, they were going to go play football. They were playing basketball because they wanted to play basketball. Um, and I was like sort of the only basketball player on the team. So it really worked out great for me. I had these like strong athletic football guys that are great defensively and that, you know, we're going to be high level, you know, players, division one players. And then I'm like the basketball guy kind of getting a chance to, you know, kind of go and do my thing. And, and, uh, and so it's just an amazing year that, I mean, obviously we won every game. We were number one in the state for majority of the year. We were number one in the state for about for majority of those three years that we were in high school. Um, but we just kept finding these moments where we had failed in the past, but our connectivity was amazing. And so we'd find a way to make the player, to make the shot or to get the rebound, you know, and we're in years past. If someone got in foul trouble, we'd lose the game. We found a way to kind of hang in there and win the game or um, it was just an amazing year. And it just really spoke to so much of the power of connection. You know, we get to the state championship game and my high school coach, you know, usually, you know, every coach addresses you and you, you think for him, right? Like as the high school coach, how many times do you get a chance to coach in the state championship game in your career? Not, not very often. So you would think you'd get this speech that was, you know, that was, you know, that was just, you know, bring you to tears almost. And he says to us, he just says, we've given everything you guys have. And, uh, and he, and he says, I'm going to give you guys time to talk to each other. And he walks out. Right. And so he just walks out. And I remember us looking around at each other you know, do you recognize the moment? I mean, we've had these monumental losses in our past. You know, we've done so much together and, and we look around and we look around. And it's just us. Right. It's the 12 guys or 13 guys on the team. And we kind of start going down one by one. You know, like, you know, I've known you since you were since you were five years old. And, you know, we just start to create these stories before we go out on Florida. Warm up, we're in tears. You know, like we're not like we're I mean, you would think we'd be like so fired up to play. But in that moment you know, Coach Allen had found a way to give us something more to play for than just a state championship. And he found a way to give us the ability to play for one another. Yeah, well, one thing I find really interesting in what you were just talking about there is that idea of camaraderie and connectivity and team chemistry. How important for that is you while you're going to, to build a program? You know, like when you when you built up Mount St. Mary's, you know, what you had done last year at Siena. As you come into the first year here at GW, how important is it to establish, you know, some level of chemistry and camaraderie, uh, you know, with the team? I think it's everything. I think connectivity is that missing component that no one wants to talk about because you can't find a way to, to quantify it. And... And I think when you're able to have a really connected team, it almost defies logic of the things you can do. You know, everyone wants to look out on the floor and they say, you know, this guy's six foot seven and this guy jumps out of the gym. And, you know, they want to look at these talent factors that they want to identify as 
as really important. And they're, they're important. But when you get guys on the floor that are so connected and playing for something bigger than just that game, you know, special things happen. And, you know, and I think that's what we're trying to establish where we are. I mean, we're playing a great league. I mean, look at this league. I mean, what a great league, you know. And, and one day we'll be the very most talented team in the league, I'm sure of it. But I always believe we could be the most connected team in the league. And I think when we're the most connected team, then you have the ability to go out there and play with anyone on any given night. You have the ability to go out there like our like our teams did in high school. You have the, the ability to go out there and like win games that you shouldn't that you shouldn't win for whatever situation present themselves. Um, it's oftentimes these individual factors that are holding us back from being elite, holding us back from being the best thing, the best parts of us. And connectivity allows you to remove yourself from those. Um and so I, I think it's extremely important. You'll hear me talk, you'll hear me say all the time, connections are a gift to the world. And I want to make sure that when team people come watch us play, they see a connected team out there that inspires them to be more connected. And that's our goal every time we step out on the floor. When you're out there recruiting, what what do you look for in a recruit to, to see if someone, you know, has that level of connectivity where, where you can see them fitting in with, with the system and what you're trying to do there? Well, I think it's different than what they're used to um, because I'm asking a lot of questions. Um, I'm a big, like when we're recruiting someone, I'm, a, I'm asking you a lot of questions. I'm asking you questions about your childhood. I'm asking your parents questions about their childhood. I'm asking questions about, you know, when the recruit disobeyed and didn't do what they were supposed to do. You know, I'm trying to find all kinds of different examples to just learn about their personality, um, not good or bad, but just to know who they are, to know how they're going to respond in really tough situations and, um, because, you know, if you're going to be a great player, you're going to be in some tough situations. You're going to need to make great decisions in those moments are at their biggest. Um, so we're really trying to evaluate the person. You know, you're always going to win to the quality of the level of the, per- of the person you have. Um, and so we're just trying to find quality people. We call them HPIs, high potential individuals. Um, you know, high potential individual is a person that any, anything they walk into, they make better. You know, if, if they start a new job at McDonald's and they're in charge of the fries, the fries seem to be better right? Because they're taking such attention to detail to the fries. And then you move them to, you know, to whatever the next thing is, you know, and, and you move them to the burgers. Now the burgers are a little bit better. And, you know, there's these people that we have within our lives that are HPIs or high potential individuals, like whatever they, they sign up to do, they do it at such a high level. So the goal is to try to find those people that we can find that, that, that exemplify that. And my, my thing is if we can get a locker room full of guys like that, we're always going to constantly be setting a new standard for what overachievement is. Um, and, and they're going to continue to sharpen with each other. And when you do that, you're really tough to play against and you have a great environment that people want to be a part of. So in, in talking about connectivity, how important is that to the style of basketball you play, especially with, with the idea of mayhem that, that you play with? And then for those who might not be as familiar with that style, if you could just give a little bit more information into to what that style is like. Yeah, you know, mayhem, it's been a lot. It's, it's kind of changed through the years. I mean, at first it was like, you know, it really only spoke to our style of play, and it spoke just about how we wanted to get up and down and shoot a ton of threes and play up tempo and press and trap. And and now it's really become more about our environment that we want to create. Um, it's become about, you know, the the environment within the game atmosphere, how people want to be around, how people act, how much fun people are having. Um, it's really become a lot more about that. And and I think when you talk about connectivity, like to be connected within that, you know, it means we're trying to push an opponent to play 
um, at a pace or at, or at an uncomfortable level that they're not that they're not used to doing. And to do that, it takes an entire unit of, of folks to be able to do that. It takes an entire unit of people with one desire, with with one commitment to be able to push and push those push players to those kind of limits all the time. And then the unselfishness enough to be able to sub yourself out when you're tired and demand that the person that comes in for you has an opportunity to do the same thing. And, and so it's really, it's kind of merged into a few different things over the years, just as we've kind of changed jobs and opportunities. But the thing that I love about it is when you ever come, anytime you can watch our teams play, everyone talks about how much fun they're having. They talk about how much fun our players are having, how much fun they're having in the crowd. And I think it's just, it's really become about our environment that we're trying to create within our arena, you know, for our fan experience and for people that are watching us and saying, man, why are they having so much fun? You watch those guys on the floor, leaving it out there. You watch people in the, in the stands, leaving it out there. And you say, man, like that's a connected group of people that are really driven to a, for a purpose. Talk about one thing, one thing I've always uh, found interesting that, that I've seen you, you carry on the bench with you it, it is a board and you're, you're throwing up turkeys, different things up there. Talk about that <laughs> and, and the meaning behind that. Oh, it's amazing. I love the bench environment. And, um, you know, it's just so important. I mean, again, everyone is working towards their, the common goal and we want to just compete. You know, we want to be at our best and our best required. That's our goal. Like, your best and your best required and that's what we all talk about and be able to do that we need everyone's putting everyone putting all their energy into into it and and so when you look at our bench you know we have a lot of things going on there we have a substitution board there so that everyone knows who they're guarding and how they're guarding them we change that up depending on who's on the floor all the time and we want to be really great at communicating so we have a visual of that and we have a verbal of that um you see a turkey board over there and and one of the things we can talk about is like a turkey means you get three stops. The monster is five stops and a Godzilla is 10 stops in a row. Um, if you're able to get seven turkeys and score to half your possessions, typically it's really hard to lose the game. And want to get our guys to like a very process-driven goal. And one of the things we always fight against is guys love to look at the scoreboard during the course of the game. And at the end of the day, the score is going to be the score at the end. And so the team that can focus on the process of it every single time has the best opportunity to win. The team that can make the least amount of mistakes is the best opportunity to win. So we said, let's find a way to make this really process driven. And and so we talk about the turkeys and, you know, we want to get, you know, you get to, you get to that second stop and you got a chance to get the third. And you know, we need seven of these through the course of the game. So guys do an unbelievable job of trying to make an extra effort on that, on that third one and just trying to find a way to get turkeys. And we always got a great, you know, we got a, we got a great staffer uh, in, in Ahill that does that for us. And that person who does that board has to have an incredible amount of energy because their their arena will be as energetic as that person that has the board there. So us finding that person who has the energy to carry that board and uplifts our crowd and our team is extremely important. And um, it just makes for a frenzied environment in there. When you get two stops, you can hear the crowd really getting excited about it. And everyone's kind of getting into that. And it's been great to be part of a couple of environments where they can really buy into that. Yeah, so right now, we're about a quarter of the way or so through the season. What are your thoughts on the team so far this year? Uh, and who's impressed you the most so far uh, in play to date? Oh, I love these guys. Uh, you know, I'm one of these guys that loves this journey of a team. I love this journey of the guys learning who they can become, you know. And then if anyone texts me, I always say, I love what we're becoming because it's not defined yet. And the world wants to define you today about where you are. And the reality is our season will end when it ends. Um, and it'll end sometime in March and maybe in April if, if, if things go the right way. Um, so I love what we're becoming. And we're just not where we need to be at yet, but nobody is. Um, so I love our team. And that's first and foremost. I, I, you know, I don't know. I always tell our guys, I don't think we have an abundance, but we have enough. 
and we're going to step five guys there, uh, five guys out there on the floor. And when that ball goes up, we're going to make sure our enough is a little bit more than the other team's enough. And our connection is kind of the glue that puts that all together. Um, and so I love our team. And, you know, when I talk about our team, rarely, rarely do I call out just one guy. I mean, we've got great leadership from Toro and Armel Potter. Those guys are obviously putting up great numbers, but they're really leading with their body language and they're leading with their words and they're leading with their energy. You know, we've had great freshman contributions from Sean Walker Jr. and um, Jamison Battle, who's made big shots for us all year long and made big plays for us. And, and, and Jameer Nelson Jr., who finishes above the rim and um, just does exciting things that, that he's going to do a great job here. Yes, we have, have those guys that are playing really well. Um, Maceo Jack uh, makes a ton of outside shots for us and really is learning the kind of player that he become, the kind of energy that it requires to be an elite player. He's just starting to figure that out and, you know, watching his body language grow every single day and every single game has been amazing to watch. You know, he's a guy who's nat naturally kind of quiet, but he's starting to let that roar out on the floor when he makes his outside shots and gets defensive stops. And, um, you know, so I'm just really excited about our group and, and, uh, you know, we have a couple guys who have, haven't had a chance to get out there and make their impact on the year yet, but they will. And um, it's a great group. You know, we've got guys that can hit you from a lot of different areas that will be ready to go and ready to attack it. And, um, you know, a guy named Juice Williams, Justin Williams, we call him Juice. It's been great for us. Analytically, he's so strong. It's unbelievable to watch. Um, it just tells us to get him on the floor and he makes great plays for us. And defensively and offensively so you know I, I just love our group i love our collection i love our mix um you know some some teams might have more top end guys and other, you know this or that but we got a great great group of guys a great mix that you got to account for one of these guys on the floor on both ends of the floor what are you looking to see out of your team uh you know as you wind down this non-conference stretch before you hit a 10 play is there anything in particular you're looking to try to get out of them before conference play starts I want to see our team continue to grow within our system, continue to learn it better. Offensively, we do a lot of things on offense, so it's sometimes hard for a guy, especially in the first year, to learn all the nuances of it. These guys are doing a great job, as, as good a job as I've had teams do before and do in the past. Um, so I want to see them continue to learn the, the nuances of the offense. I think that's going to be very important. Um, as we move forward, and you play against very good teams, you're going to be able to get deep into the game and really execute it. Uh, I want to see them continue to, to grow defensively. Again, we're playing a lot of guys, first time on the floor, playing strictly man-to-man, -man, and they're all trying to figure that part out. But I think we've done a great job of that, right, where we need to be at in terms of our league standing with our man-to-man. -man. We're the best team in the nation defending a three. Um, and so that's that's a quick way to turn your defense around. And, and I think if we can continue to grow and continue to rebound the ball as these guys kind of learn that part of it, we got an opportunity to be a pretty good defense. And, and, and again, making you play against us every single night. What are your thoughts uh, early on, on on the A-10? Uh, you know, last year seemed to be a bit of a down year, but this year the league seems to really be on an uptick, uh, you know, winning some key non-conference games. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the league so far? Well, it's a great league. I mean, it's got great coaches. I mean, you got – I mean, you got great coaches all around. You got great programs that love basketball and have great basketball tradition, you know, from Dayton to VCU to Davidson to St. Bonaventure to St. Louis. I mean, you kind of name all these guys Richmond. I mean, when you start naming the teams in this league, you know, St. Joe's and Philly, I mean, you just have so many, so many great programs. Um, you know, within this league, you know, that that teams that can they're dominant and have been dominant in the past. So you just understand, man, what a challenge you have before you. But if you're a person that loves challenges, you love playing against the very best, you love coaching against the very best, it's a great league to be in. You know, when I look at our history here at GW, I say, man, our league's just our, – our history is bit or better than the majority of the teams in our league. 
And so it tells us that we can be great here as well. And, um, and, and so it's just making sure our guys understand the rich history that we have, that we've found a way into the NCAA tournament, found our way to the top many, many times through the decades here within our league. And that, that's going to happen again if when we continue to, to put the effort and we continue to have that ability to earn it and appreciate everything we're trying to do here. Um, it's, just an, it's just an amazing league. And it's great to be a part of the league. It's great. That, that every night that ball goes up, we get the 8-10 play, we're going to be challenged, and we're going to need to be better than the night before. If you're a competitor and love to compete, that's all you're asking for in life is a chance to compete against the very best. We do that here in the 8-10. Yeah. Uh, going forward for you, um, with GW being in D.C., the DMV is just a hotbed for basketball. How important is it to, to focus on that area for recruiting? Oh, it's everything. Um, you know, in my time at Mount St. Mary's, we had the most DMV kids in the country. Um, we've done a great job of establishing a staff and, and, and establishing roots here. And, you know, if we do, a, we continue to do a great job here that we can try to keep the A-10 out of our, out of our area and we can keep getting the best players here. Um, that's really the, the goal for us is just trying to put a fence around the area and making sure we get the very best guys. We're going to try to do a great job of that. Um, you know, but it's just such a great high school area. The best high school basketball in the country is played right here. And just trying to make sure we do a great job, make sure they know they got a home here at GW, invite them to games, make sure they understand the environment. A lot of stuff we're doing social media-wise, a lot of stuff we're doing with our game atmosphere it makes it so they'll want to bring their families, they'll want to come here, they want to stay close to home. Um, it's a great area. The thing that's also great about GW, though, is we've had great international ties. We've had great international players. So it's a place where we can do a great job locally, which we will. We've already signed, I think, five or six guys locally in, my, in, the, in, the, first, in the first year of being here. Um, but then also international we do a great job and it's got a it's got a nationwide name you know one of the things that's a little bit different than a lot of the teams in our league is a lot of our teams in our league are more regional based we have the ability to be regional and national and we get that choice um you know from california to to, to russia i mean we've kind of had the gamut of great players from all around so it's just making sure we're doing a great job of bringing in the very best guys make sure we're getting the gw brand out there and uh, understanding who we are and understanding the way that we can be at our very best and it's by being a, being a program that can reach out and, and, and to a lot of different programs all right coach to wrap up here I've, I've got a few lightning round type questions that i've asked of uh, the other coaches have come on in, and i'm curious to get your answers and the first one here is What's the toughest road environment you've had to bring a team into? Um, There's a lot of them. You know, when I was at Mount St. Mary's, we played about 60 bye games in about six years. So, you know, we played at Pitt. We played at Ohio State. We played some really good ones. Um, Obviously, when I was at William Mary, we played at VCU. Um, You know, that's always a a tough environment. Um, You know, there's a lot of them. I think each league has some different ones. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of how this league kind of shapes up. You know, when we were in the NEC, I always felt like, uh, you know, Bryant had a really, really tough home environment um, when they really had that thing rolling. Um, and Siena, Iona was a really tough place to play. And so you really had to get up to play, play, at, play at Iona. Um, and I'm sure in this league at Dayton and VCU, you're going to have really tough environments to play in. And, uh, you know, I like to think our place can be pretty tough to play in as well. Yeah. Uh, on another side, in terms of players you've had to go up against, and, and I know you've played in a, or you coached in a lot of bye games. You mentioned is there a player or two that sticks out as you know was one of the toughest guys you've had to scout for or go up against? Yeah, you know Eric Maynard. Uh, I mean, when I was assistant at VCU, when I was assistant at William Mary, we had to go against Eric Maynard, and and uh, he was so tough because you could tell every year he's getting better year in and year out. And the decision-making and how fast you make the decision 
you couldn't give him the same ball screen coverage as two times in a row. He'd make a different decision. You had to really be on top of your stuff there. Um, Kent Bazemore is at ODU. Um, his athleticism and understanding, obviously, he's, he's doing really well in the NBA. He's another guy that jumps out at you. Just his just intelligence, his uh, his athletic ability, and his ability to make plays, and how much he got better every single year. You know, those guys kind of jump right at me right away because um, I just remember saying, "Wow, these guys, these guys can really play." And then uh, Scott Machado at Iona, and when I was at Win Mary, we played them in a and a uh, in a non-conference game, and he was electric with the ball and making great decisions. So, you know, I've really had a chance to go against some really, really good players, and, but they all had great IQ, and I think that's what makes that's what separates the guys. Not just their talent, it's their IQ. And then, Coach, last question for you. And since this is a mid-major podcast, I'd be remiss if I did not ask you what it was like to coach Junior Robinson, who had to be a mid-major cult hero, you know, for you know a few years ago. Man. I love him. Uh, you know, he, he is great. And I remember watching him playing AU and, and everything I thought he could become, I had a chance to watch him become, you know, so I was looking at him almost like a proud father. Um, cause I remember watching these AU games and he was, you know, five foot six and he's the smallest guy on the floor and, and his team is always winning more than you expected. So it's, it's always going one or two rounds further than what was expected of it. And because he was the guy leading it all the time and he just had a great ability to affect winning it was great to coach him. It was great to watch him mature as a player. I learned so much from him. I probably learned more from him than he learned from me, I bet, because it's just like his ability to make plays in tough situations and the way he could see the game, you know, from his perspective was so unique. You know, as a coach, you know, you always want to try to see the game through your best player's eyes because that way you have great synergy and great connectivity. And, and uh, you know, him and I really gained a great synergy through the years. That's awesome. Coach, I really appreciate the time today. Uh, thanks for taking the, the time to join us on the podcast today, and uh, best of luck the rest of the year and uh, into the future at GW. I'm so appreciative. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, and if I can help you in other ways, let me know. Always raise high.